What's up, everybody? This is Alex Worldwide Keller, and you're listening to The Card is Going to Change. And let me tell you about one of our beautiful, amazing, gracious, and awesome sponsors. That's right. It's Pollyanna DIY at Pollyanna DIY on Twitter, on Instagram. Go to PollyannaDIY.com, and you can get all sorts of amazing buttons, shirts, pins, the whole kit and caboodle. That's right, PollyannaDIY.com. But now, let's take it to the reason that you hit download, the reason that you are streaming. That's right, the card is going to change. Hello once again, everybody. Thanks for listening to AIW's The Card is Going to Change. Before we get into this week's episode, as always, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors that help us bring the show to you for free each and every week. Firstly, thanks to Angelo's Pizza. They're feeding us here as they always do while we record, and they, of course, bring pizza to you at our live events at Mount Carmel. If you want to try more of their pizza or anything else on their menu, it's all delicious. Head to Angelo's on Madison Avenue in Lakewood, Ohio. And thanks to Smart Mark Video, they record all of our live events. And if you want to relive any of those or watch them for the first time, you can purchase that on DVD or digital download from smartmarkvideo.com. And additionally, head to powerbomb.tv, sign up using the code ABSOLUTE, and you will get a 20-day trial for free. And then stick around and just keep watching the shows that we put out there from the AIW archives. And as always, thanks to Jack Prince, who helps take care of all of our printing and graphic design needs. They can do all of that and more for you, whether it be banners, t-shirts, business cards, flyers, everything and anything. For all that they have to offer, head to jackprince.com. J-A-K-Prince.com. That voice right there, none other than Josh Prohibition joining us again. Uh, We have... uh, A room full of, I don't know, at the moment they're just spectators listening in here, almost like a live recording. Uh, They may chime in, but of course... Worldwide, I got to give it to Worldwide, because Worldwide has just been shaking, wanting to ask one question. Should we just let them ask it before we even get to intros? It's a great start. I'm happy already. I've been sitting here for exactly one week. It's been one week on Thorne's couch. I have not moved a muscle because I, you guys went about your day, went to your jobs, hung out with your families. I've been here for one week waiting to ask this question. All right. You were talking about early 2000s, late 90s, Cleveland wrestling. I need to know. Did you ever work Wicked Billy Myers or Mojo, a.k.a. The Renegades? <laughs> I, uh, I unfortunately never had the opportunity to step in the ring. But uh, I was on a, a show uh, with with those fine individuals. Was it OCW? Yes. At uh, the Headlands Community Center? Or was it when they moved to I, uh, Painesville? I, I want to say Painesville. Uh, um, yeah, we were. it was Matt and I in the opening match. Uh, but uh, I, do, I do remember, I do remember those, uh, those fine individuals. <laughs> but yes, 
Uh, I, I did frequent uh, one of their shows. Yes. I, uh, I mean, they were right up the street from me. So, yeah, I messed around with them a little bit in high school, junior high. Nice. Nice. I was a big fan. Mojo. <laughs> and Wicked Billy Myers, who had a GeoCities website where one time he had to walk out on a match. So on his Angel Fire website or GeoCity website, he's like, I got something known as a stinger. <laughs> And uh, I had to walk out of my match. Sorry, guys. I'll make it up next time. And uh, Wicked Billy Myers, if you're out there, fuck yeah, brother. And Mojo, if you're alive, additional fuck yes. I got to go to the gym. It's been a week. I've been set entering in this fucking couch. Work off that Thanksgiving turkey you ate. (laughs) Turkey jerky, maybe, baby. I'm fucking on the hunt for a slimmer worldwide because Duke's talking some shit. So I'll see y'all later. Get him worldwide. Get him, you guys. Get him. Well, that was all right. Well, so that was worldwide. Uh, we uh, look at Billy Myers. That was a blast from the past. That was, uh, yeah. I remember Matt and I opened a show for him, and uh, Matt did a moonsault to the outside, and I tore my PCL on my right knee. That was uh, very early on in my career, and it cost me a Don Joy brace I had to wear for at least the first year and a half, two years of my uh, wrestling career. So, if you haven't figured it out yet, uh, with John Thorne here, AIW owner, and of course Steve Guy here, moderator of sorts. Uh, we're picking right back up where we left off with Josh Prohibition, and and talking about, gosh, twenty years worth of wrestling. I mean, let's you know, we just left it on a cliffhanger. Yes. So tell me more about this. Let's get into the big CZW XPW jump. How? Well, first off, how many CZW shows did you guys even do? Because I feel like it wasn't that many. No, it wasn't. It was probably seven or eight total. And, and how does how how does how does the XPW thing? Because you know, if you look back on the grand scheme of things of XPW, it's kind of not taken too seriously. But at no. this given moment in time, XPW had a lot of uh, a lot of hype and buzz about it. That it was it was going to be the next big thing. Yeah. Um, so we're in CZW and, uh, like I had mentioned last week, we're, we're losing money, you know, on every trip we're losing money. And, and I think one of the things that left a bad taste in our mouth is when you're told your first match is tryout pay and then the following, you know, bookings are going to be, you know, the real payday and it ends up being your tryout pay every single time you show up and you're being asked to take pretty extraordinary risks, uh, for your tryout pay and losing money, you know, it starts to sour a little bit. But anyway, um, you know, when I was at Kent State in 1999, I remember watching XPW on uh, on television. They actually had the show, you know, televised. Um, so, I mean, I had known what XPW was. I knew it was out on in the, L.A. On the Cat, wasn't it called the it Cat? It was the Cat, yeah. Channel yeah, 35, broadcast. Cat. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I knew about XPW. But actually, you know, I, I, I was like... If ECW had a gang, like, I was part of their gang. Like, I would have fought for ECW. <laughs> like, so I remember, you know, that, that pay-per-view when the XPW guys showed up and were in the front row and they what, they tried to hop the rail and they got they, beat up they, by they, the locker room. Yeah, they did something. Yeah, so, I mean, I was I was kind of angry at XPW for that, you know. <laughs> like, but, but this is before I officially got trained. Um, but anyway, so we're in CZW. Um it's not going the best. There was a few guys in the locker room uh, who we didn't particularly like, and I don't think they particularly liked us. And uh, I just felt like, you know, uh, in a way they were trying to bury us. So uh, it just wasn't a good vibe, you know. And, and Zandig was kind of a scary guy th- to work for. Do you think for. it was because at that time I feel like CZW was probably 
all pretty much locally based talents for the most part and you guys were kind of coming in from the outside or yeah you know what i never knew exactly what it was but yeah i mean we were really some of the only midwest guys on those shows it was all it was almost all east coast right talent. so do you think maybe that yeah maybe kind of caused a rift that yeah you, you, i don't know i mean because we we came in so hot and i felt like our momentum died very very quickly um so anyway so we're in czw we're about six seven shows in and uh i get a call um from the gentleman that produced the backyard wrestling video game and the videotapes and they said that they are now financially backing XPW. They're going to pour a ton of money into it, and they want us to jump ship. And Was this uh, Big Vision Entertainment? I don't even remember what they called it at that time. But uh, So they're basically giving me this guarantee that XPW will never go under. You know, They're willing to pump tens of thousands of dollars into it. <laughs> you know, there's, they're heading towards pay-per-views. You know, they're in, and these are the people that are putting out these backyard wrestling videos and they're making all this money. So I'm right. like, you know, I'm going to believe them. Yeah, you've got no reason not to. At and this I'm point. still thinking the payday is mm-hmm. coming from the backyard wrestling stuff. So I'm still kind of under their thumb in that regard. The thing know. I remember about this around this time, it may happen after you guys start. I, I'm not, you know, sure what the timeline, but I remember XPW got an exclusive lease on the ECW arena and that was like a huge deal. Yeah, so they paid a ridiculous amount of money uh, to get that exclusive lease and uh, so they basically bought the ECW arena so nobody else could use it and uh, you know, we kind of knew that that was going on. So anyway, um, Hamrick, Chris Hamrick who was already well established in XPW, he began calling. Um, they had uh, talked to Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn put in a call. Tracy Smothers called. So guys that I really respected had called and said, hey, jump ship. Yeah. And I started seeing the guys that they were booking, and they're basically booking all the old ECW guys. You know, you start to see, you know... Um, Danny Doring. Doring and Chetty and Candido. Um, you know, Shane Douglas is running the locker room. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, okay, exclusive lease at the ECW arena. Every single ECW guy I used to watch on TV that's still alive. Yeah. Um, you know, and they're telling us they're going to pay us a lot more money than we were making in CZW, and they're going to pay per view, and they uh, they actually gave me a contract, and it had like I don't know how it worked out, but essentially I was supposed to get paid forty five thousand dollars for the year, regardless of how many shows we did. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah, so Matt and I signed that contract, and uh, never saw that money, <laughs> but uh, it was supposed to be basically a forty five thousand dollar contract for the year. And, um, like a downside guarantee or something. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, like lose yeah. money or make $45,000 right. for yeah. this year. Which at that time, that's probably an astronomical amount of money. That's more than I made my first year of teaching, you know. So um, we're like, of course, this is a, a no-brainer, you know. So uh, we make the decision. So our last show for CZW was Cage of Death. I don't know if it was 2002 or 2003, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh like totally sold out show. It was like 11, 1100, 1200 in the arena packed to the gills. And then the next week, you know, we show up at XPW unannounced. Um, and just to kind of give you the vibe in the locker room at that point. Uh, so we're sitting in our last CZW show, but nobody knows it. We're, we're, uh, We've already committed to go. You know, we've we've worked it out. We've got the logistics worked out. We're going to do this last CZW show and then drive back the next week to Philly again and do XPW. And we knew that it was going to be a big deal because uh, there was such tension at that time and there was so much anger. You know, because they were at they were at war. Or yeah, whatever. it was a war. You know, they buy the arena and then the other thing that compounded it was you know there was a claim uh, 
you know, by Messiah that his thumbs were cut off by a couple of goons that Rob Black had oh, sent. Oh, that was, that was America's Most Wanted or yeah. something. Yeah, so I mean, so, you know, uh, the Messiah got his thumbs cut off and they tried to cut his penis off and oh. he thought it was Rob Black from XPW. So there's that tension. Okay. Um, so we're sitting in the locker room and uh, it's before Cage of Death. We're still in CZW and Zandig starts going into one of his Zandig speeches and... Uh, he gets, he's starting to get all worked up, you know, and we're just kind of sitting there looking at him. And he starts talking about how he knows there's a couple rats in this locker room. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, like... You guys were set up or... Just, I'm like, what can we grab if we have to start swinging stuff here? Like, yeah. to try to get out of here alive, you know? Like, because we could get killed in here. And, uh, you know, Matt and I are kind of giving us, like, the, you know, we're giving each other the Iggy, like, dude, you get ready to run. Like, <laughs> you know, because like, you know, Andy's a scary human being, yeah. you know, and you have wife, wife Beater there, Nate Hatred, Nick Gage. A lot of other Justice scary humans. Payne. Yeah, I mean, there's some scary individuals. Lobo. And uh, it turned out it was just some, like, it was some, like, kid that helped with ring crew was like floating seekers to xpw or something it turned out to be him so they didn't know about us thank god good thing you guys didn't give yourselves up either i know i'd be like i'm sorry (laughs) i never should have done yeah yeah that kid get murdered the captain wants to know no i don't think he got murdered uh i don't remember exactly what happened to him but but anyway so uh thankfully we get out of there alive you know we drive back to cleveland kind of you know wiping the sweat off our brow like oh thank god that they didn't know it was us um we show up in xpw the next week and uh I don't know, man. There was a lot of good things about XPW, but there was a lot of stuff that was just brutal. Um, and you know, in some ways. <laughs> so it, what's the what's the vibe when you arrive though? Like oh, the vibe was uh, so we're excited, you know, at first, kind of going into it because we walk into the locker room, and it's everybody, you know, Psychosis and you know D- Candido, Doring, Chetty, uh, Simon Diamond, like everybody's standing there. And then all of a sudden, as soon as I'm like, I haven't even put my bags down yet. Here comes the freaking Sandman, and he's running the locker room at that time. <laughs> and uh, I know you had him in recently. I, I, I'm not going to talk very positively about him here. Um, he cuts me off, you know, so that I can't even put my bag down. And he gets in my face, and I'm talking nose to nose. And I mean, he is just reeking of booze. And uh, he, I don't swear normally, so this is me doing my Sandman. Um, he gets in my face and goes, "Who the fuck are you?" You know, and I'm like, "Hi, sir. My name's Josh Pascura. You know, I, I'm, I'm uh, nice to meet you. You know, and he, what the fuck are you doing here?" And I mean, there's spit like hitting my <laughs> face, you know, and my my, my blood pressure is just like like through the roof, and uh, he won't cut it out, man. He's like. What the fuck do you think you're doing here? I'm like, well, sir, I'm wrestling tonight. Who the fuck do you think you're wrestling? I mean, like spit, just like I need an umbrella. And uh, I'm like, I'm I'm supposed to be wrestling Mexico's most wanted. And they're like, he's like, the fuck you're supposed to be. He's like, listen here, you two motherfuckers. If you don't catch those motherfuckers on every dive, if you don't make them look like a million fucking dollars. I mean, again, spit, spit, spit. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to drag you out back and kick your fucking ass. And I mean, I'm just like. What did we get ourselves into? Yeah. Like, this is my introduction, you know? And uh, no exaggeration, 10 minutes later, fired. Kicked out of the locker room. Rob Black bounced him. He was gone. Like, they, they, they threw him out. They, they fired him on the spot uh, and bounced him out of XPW. And I don't know if it was specifically the way he was, you know, to behaving you, towards yeah. me or if it was, like, his prolonged behavior for the day. Um, but, yeah, he was gone. Uh, and at that point, you know, the relationship with the other guys was excellent. Like the other guys in the locker room, like it was, it was a big party, man. It was like, it was fun. Everybody was cool. Uh, a lot of joking around, a lot of ribbon. 
and uh, it was fun. So this is like a relief for you because at this point you guys are like, "Yep, we made it. We made a good choice." Yeah, after the Sandman thing, but then all of a yeah. sudden it, it comes crashing down again, and here's why. Um, so when we go, when we were negotiating the jump, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we were kind of obviously talking about angles and gimmicks and like what they were thinking, and you know, we kind of pitched the idea that hey, like let us be ourselves. Like we're we're kind of jackass punk rockers, you know. Like let us just be who we are. So we were pitching up some names like the Burning River Brigade, you know, kind of a yeah, uh, you know, Cleveland. yeah, Cleveland deal, and uh, you know, we gave him a few good names. You know, I, I was going to be Josh Prohibition, M Dog was going to go become Matt Cross, get uh-huh. rid of the you know the Eminem kind of ripoff gimmick, um, and you know they were on board with it. They're like, cool, you know, this sounds good, this sounds good, and they'd even mentioned like having uh, that band like CKY. Uh, you know, kind of be our uh, play us out and actually play live there. You know, yeah. and have us come to the ring to that. And uh, so we get there, and all of a sudden they're like, "All right, here's your sparkly silver tights." They had bought us gear, you know, and made us gear. And they're like, "So, Josh, we're gonna we're gonna spray your hair silver." And we're gonna put uh, eyeliner on you and Matt. You guys are both gonna wear eyeliner, and uh, your name's gonna be Josh, and his name's gonna be Matt. And I was like. Dude, you're, tr- you're trying to turn us into Chuck and Billy. Like, what do you yeah. mean, Josh and Matt? Like, that's our wrestling name, you know? And he's like, and then your 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 name's gonna be Euthanasia, and uh, we're just like, what happened to like the punk rock thing, you know? Yeah. And here's the other one. They're like, okay, you're gonna come out to that Eminem song, "Lose Yourself," you know? And I was like, nothing that you're saying is adding up here. And this is where Kevin Kleinrock gave me like a speech. He's like, listen, he's like, you know what they call Rob Black? They call him Star Maker, Star Breaker, and he's making you a star tonight. You know, he's giving <laughs> oh. me this like, he's giving me this like, you know, this feel about how he's made all these guys, and I'm just sitting there biting my lip. And uh, so we start to go out there, and uh, Rob Black's in the back, you know, and uh, he was always pretty enhanced. Um, so I mean, he's you know, he's feeling it, you know, yeah, he's right, all right. wound up. Um, he has his energy. Oh, he had a lot of energy, and uh, so we're. Uh, we're sitting there behind the curtain and the music hits and we start trying to go out. He's like, no, he's like, wait, 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 wait. You got to wait. I mean, this lose yourself song lasts like oh, yeah, three so minutes long. before yeah. it hits. Oh yeah. The, and the we're standing there and we're just like, they're going to boo us out of the building. If you make them wait three minutes for our entrance and we're sitting there like, and it's us, Josh and Matt. Yeah. Like they were expecting this big special announcement. Like they didn't know it was us. And that's what it turned out to be. But anyway, um, we come out as uh, they kept calling us cyberpunks, whatever that means. They kept saying, You guys are going to be cyberpunks, which sounded kind of cool, but like. Like cyber bullies? I don't even but know what Hackers? Is. Nobody really knows what it is. Yeah. But uh, so we got there, and it's uh, me and Matt versus uh, Halloween and Damien 666, and uh, who was just on a, a show recently. Amigo. Yeah, he was a good guy. And uh, so we go out there, and it's for the XPW tag team belts. First night there, you know. Wow. So we're out there for the belts, and we're going over. And uh, didn't really feel comfortable with that, like. Yeah. But they wanted to make a statement to CZW, like these guys jump now they're champs. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get in there in the ring with them, and no exaggeration, they destroyed us. Like, and I think the attitude was two new kids, young gringos, you know, coming into XPW, right. taking the belts on the first night. And, I mean, the amount of times that I got chopped and slapped in the face, and like just brutalized you know it was unbelievable but afterwards honestly you know they they put us over obviously but they were uh they were really complimentary because i think we took it you know yeah (laughs) and uh actually i got some papers from mexico and you know they were kind of they brought them back up with them when they came and they were like showing us and and translating what it meant 
Um, and they basically were like putting us over in the Mexican newspapers and like, uh, so which was kind of cool, you know, because yeah. I mean, but you know, in the match, I'm like, these guys must hate us. They must <laughs> right, hate right. us so much, you know, because they, uh, they put such a beating on us. But I remember like being in the hotel and again, XPW was nice because they would get you a hotel, you know, laying in that hotel bed, like barely able to move. But I was like, okay, you know, we did it. We, we got our belts. But this is like, you think about everything you just said. I mean, A, some of it doesn't add up, but euthanasia is kind of a, it's punk Rocky kind of a name, the way they do it. It, it sucks. People still remember you guys as yeah. that. It sounded edgy. But, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, to go from where you were, you know, you're you're still chasing this hope that the payday is coming, right? But now first, you jump to XPW. First night, do you think that you made it? Do you think that you... Yeah. I mean, they're buying you gear. Have you, had anybody bought you gear yet? No. Or, you know no. what I mean? You're being put up in a hotel. Aside yeah. from Jackie. Or yeah, is anybody gears, you hotels, up? flights, you know. Yeah, um, Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like at that point after we got through the Sandman incident and I survived my first match that, you know, this was a good decision. And, you know, next thing I know, we're flying out to L.A. for double shots. You know, we went out to L.A. And, and I mean, when we went out to L.A., again, it was the who's who card. It's like Raven and X-Pac and, you know, everybody. Yeah. Everybody's on the show. Douglas. And it was it was ex- it was was basically ECW revisited, you know. Right. And uh, it's Shane Douglas. And it was cool, too, because, I mean, Douglas was uh, – he was real good to us, man. Like, he, he taught us, you know. So, like, after matches, he would pull me aside and he would be, you know, give me very good constructive criticism, stuff that I actually took and, and used. Um, I remember even in that match against uh, Mexico's Most Wanted, my first match, like I said, they were beating the heck out of me. I probably got chopped 20 to 25 times, you know, like the real serious. And that guy, Halloween, swings it. I mean, like <laughs> bloody chest, you know. Yeah. And I remember one chop and I was in pain. Like I, I did bitch out and I kind of turned a little bit, you know. And believe me, Shane Douglas let me hear about it in the back. Like, I got there, and he's like, you never, ever, ever, you know. And he was, like, in my grill, um, you know, and he laid into me. And I was, you know, yes, sir, I did. I apologize. You know, that was my bad. Um, but he also took time to kind of say, hey, when you do this, I would do this, or I would do it this way. And, uh, you know, that's that stuff's invaluable. Yeah. And I think that was the other thing I loved about XPW is, like, I learned. Like, I got in there with Candido and Chetty. You know, it's like those oh, dudes you had know much, so much about wrestling. So you had pretty much an entire roster of trainers. Exactly. And I mean, even be, and this was the other cool thing. I just, it just popped in my head. Even before shows, um, Tracy Smothers would run camps. That's what I was going to ask. Cause that was always like a rumor. Yeah. Was like, if you, Tracy Smothers would run drills and things to make sure the roster was in like tip top shape and yeah. like running people through all these like, you know, like like a wrestling school before every show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, it was so we we would go through, and you know, he would uh, he would basically say, okay, this is the drill we're doing, this is what we're going to do, and then he'd critique you. And I was looking at the guys that were running these drills, and it wasn't just like you know us young guys. I mean, yeah. they, like there was like established pros, like they were in there working, you know, and working with us. Right. And uh, I remember even Mickey James was in there, and this was before she was even signed, you know, and she was running the drills, and there was just so many. Uh, you know, quality wrestlers in there. And again, it was one of those chances to improve and, and, and to learn the craft. But um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a cool environment, you know, for a short period of time, it was a, it was a cool environment. It's crazy to kind of see that a parallel between, you know, what you're going with there and then AIW of, yeah, I don't know, maybe even like three years ago uh, or maybe a little bit more, but you know, like the class of students that came through AIW now, it, it's kind of like what they went through when you're going into a locker room and you've got Josh Prohibition, Eddie Kingston, Cole Cabana, Sanjay Dutt, Johnny Gargano, all of these guys to learn. They're all right there, you know, like like Dom coming into AIW. 
this is it, you know? Like, that's... I don't know. If that's a parallel I'm, I, I can draw from that. Yeah. It, it's just hard to... How do you... No, I know How do you saying. even compare that locker room otherwise? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't... You're not going to put, put myself there. on I there? Got, yeah, but I, I, know, I, 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 I throw Colt and Sonjay and, you know, and Johnny into that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they have become the elite, you know, as far as yeah. their wrestling ability and knowledge and... Um, yeah, I mean it's it's such an incredible resource that if you're not taking advantage of it, you know, when it's there, especially, yeah. I mean, everybody you just named is incredibly approachable. You know, right? It's not like any of those guys you're scared to go up to and say hi or to ask a question. You yeah, know? So, even Matt, I should have thrown Matt's name in there because you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a wealth of of talent, and you think of all the matches those guys have under their belt to to have them as a resource and to be able to talk to them is you know, like I said, it's invaluable and. uh you know what? Honestly, like when it comes to wrestling training, there's only so much you can learn, like mm-hmm. in a, in a training center in a training environment, and then the rest is going to come from matches, mistakes, and those locker room conversations. Yeah, you know. And I, I and I always say this to to guys that I like, you know, that I'm trying to try to you know right. kind of mentor a little bit. Um, when you get done with the match, first thing you ask is, "You okay?" You know, uh-huh. to the guy you just wrestled. <laughs> Just check to make sure you didn't potato them or anything. But the other one I always say is, you know, what did, what did I do that sucked? You know, what what out? And, 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 but be brutally honest. Don't don't try to you know hide my you know if I did something that looked bad or felt bad or yeah you know what did I do that was bad or what did I do that sucked? And you know take that take that advice and obviously you know use it to to improve. Um, we had this conversation when uh, uh, I think it was after you had the match with uh, young Joshua Bishop in Akron. And it was a list of was it three or five things? The five things. The five things. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, especially <laughs> young guys, because uh, I, you know, I still get nervous a little bit now just because I haven't been wrestling as much. So, mm-hmm. but when I was going, when I was going hard, like I didn't really get much ner- many nerves anymore, you know. But right. Uh, I, I remember that feeling being, you know, very early on and feeling like you're going to have diarrhea and faint at the same time before you go out there. You know, <laughs> that horrible feeling. And uh, you know, I, I I'm trying to get my rules here straight. Uh, number one, have fun. Number two, don't hurt me. Uh, number three, listen. Uh, number four, keep talking. You know, I think that's important. Sometimes mm-hmm. guys get scared in a match and they start moving really fast and not communicating anymore. Sure. And then uh, I think number five was, again, don't hurt me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I so right. I, yeah, those are my rules. Uh, you know, when I wrestle guys, I, I always kind of lay that out that, hey, you know, I'm into the uh, professional aspect of wrestling. I'm not here to get potatoed. If I wanted to go into MMA, I would have gone into MMA, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I like the art of it and, and making stuff look painful without actually taking my head off. Would you – so – when you were in XPW, would you kind of compare that to like you know like a going to like a wrestling college or something like like a very like uh, crazy environment to get thrown into in a very short amount of time? Yeah, absolutely. And we 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 were given more than we deserved at that time. Um, and I there was you know obviously it was just kind of a strange set of circumstances with the backyard guys getting involved. Um, Matt and I, when we wrestled each other, it was spectacular. But when we'd get in there with other guys, it was just blah. You know, uh, but I think we were given too much too soon. But in a way, it it made us grow up faster and and to improve much more quickly than we would have in just kind of taking the normal path. Uh, so yeah, it was kind of like getting thrown into the fire, and it's like, hey, you got to you got to sink or swim right here. Yeah, you know, we're gonna put you in this, with some world class athletes. You know, guys that have been on television. 
you know, and you you got to hang or you're you're going to go under. And, and it and wasn't like you're it wasn't like guys that were on television like thirty years ago, like guys that were just, just on television there, yeah. that are like peak peak in their career. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, when you know, we were getting in there with you know the Joe uh, Joey Matthews and Christian Yorks, and you know, uh, you know when they were the team of the future, they came over. We were wrestling them. You know, the Dorings and the Chetties and the Candidos, and you know, Mexico's most wanted. You know, they had been in WCW, and you know, they had done that, and they got off television there, and. Um, uh, who else did we get in there with? It was just, you know, uh, pretty incredible. Like Bobby Quance and Jardy, Jardy France, who kind of disappeared off the California scene, but those two guys were incredible. Yeah, you um, always heard a lot about Jardy yeah, France. Yeah, I mean, I guess he became a Navy SEAL and just kind of fell off the map. But, uh, but I mean, those guys were, in, like, just incredible wrestlers. And, uh, you know... Super Dragon, was he on some of those shows? He was on a very early one before us, and uh, and I don't know if it's true or not. You know, Super Danny, you know, is a pretty interesting dude, but he... Uh, he kind of said that he did too well, and they didn't want to have him back because he showed up the rest of the roster. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, they said he opened the show and he just did too much. Now, at what point here, because we talked about this contract for $45,000, and you said, yeah. That, I still it, have the uh, the contract. I you think know, I tweeted a picture of it once. This is a legal thing if you really want it to. <laughs> yeah. Not that you would, but at what point then does it kind of hit you and you're like, yeah, this is not gonna probably happen so we went out to la and um and here's the frustrating thing about xpw the last two shows they did was a double shot in la and the shows were absolutely incredible probably the best two shows that they had put on in their entire history and they could not find a decent venue in los angeles for the price that they needed they basically ran an old uh they ran inside a paintball facility so i mean the walls are falling down everything's covered in splotches of paint Mm -hmm. you know and they ran in there uh super hot crowd um just incredible in-ring action from the first to the last match just you know absolutely incredible uh but by that time financially that they were not sound and i know rob black had some issues with the law yeah he got in some legal trouble i think yeah they were sending some stuff through the mail that they weren't allowed to send oh and uh yeah it was federal so the federal government was after them um, so a lot of money problems and, uh, it just started getting kind of ugly, but th- that's, like I said, the frustrating thing was it was at its best when it died, uh, yeah. which is hard to see. Cause it's like, this they, is so good right now. They finally found their groove, right? When it's exactly. Yeah. If they had found that groove a year before or yeah. two years before, you know, who knows what the, uh, the future of XPW would have been, you know, well, maybe I would have got my $45,000. And so at the same time, what is, what's the backlash from CZW? when this all happens is there backlash i assume there is. oh yeah yeah there was uh death threats um you know i got some voice messages death threats from that um i, th- I think i talked about it on cabana's podcast somebody actually recorded a rap song about me like a diss about how they were going to kill me oh and they called me and i said hello and they asked if it was josh prohibition and then they busted into it and it was like very intricate two to three minute rap song we called you and busted into the rap yeah so they waited for me to say like oh this is josh prohibition and then boom they hit it and they just freestyled this rap and it was awesome it was awesome I bet. but it was like total gangster rap like they're gonna murder me you know watch your back kind of was thing that ruckus it, it was wasn't ruckus? ruckus ruckus and i were okay um but anyway, yeah, so Zandig was making comments about how, you know, you got to be careful because next time you're in the ring with CZW guy, you better watch your nose, you know, just like saying stuff like that. Like, and he talked a lot of trash about me in his uh, shoot interview and said how condescending I was, which was kind of funny because I like, I never talked, you know, I was just, I kept my mouth shut. So I'm like, where yeah. did he get that from? Like, I didn't even, 
you know, I didn't say anything. Um, but it, it was bad blood. And there was like this strange period of time where, you know, we were on shows with CZW guys. We're like, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, like, right. is this going to turn into a locker room brawl? And it was always kind of in the back of your head, like, this could get ugly, you know? And it was kind of funny too, like, uh, Ian Rotten really liked Matt and I. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were doing an IWA show and there was a lot of CZW guys on it. And he basically pulled Matt and I aside and he's like, if anything goes down, all the IWA guys got your back. You know, so it was like, it was like, is this going to turn into like a gang warfare? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, is this going to turn into like a 10 on 10? Like, you know, and it was kind of, <laughs> it was kind of a wild time. It was pretty tense. Like we really thought that there was a good chance of violence. Like we thought that it could get legitimately ugly. Because oh, well, even though you had that $45,000 contract, you were still doing indies at the time, right? Or? Yeah. I was allowed to do any indie, obviously, except like CZW, Ring of Honor, <clears throat> and uh, was it Major League Wrestling? I think there, yeah, was only, there was only yeah. like three or so that I wasn't allowed to do. Do you um, do you think without doing all of these with uh, Matt at the time, you think you survive it? Uh, you know, we were kind of joined at the hip for a while. Yeah, you know, and it was nice to have somebody that was on kind of the same level and you know, kind of same background and, and just, all the experiences in, in general. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, for the while there, you know, it's like we were a we were a package deal, and it was actually kind of strange when he started going one way and I started going the other. It was like, oh, this is weird. Like mm-hmm. we're not together anymore. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember the first time like he went up to Canada, and I think I went out. I think I was doing PWG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like so we went two separate ways and uh it was just very strange to you know to be separate but anyway yeah so i mean it was nice to to have somebody that you could you know talk honestly with you know the stuff yeah. i say with matt in the car I, I don't say to many people you know so like right. him and i can you know share our true feelings and and not worry about it leaving the car you know yeah. so it was nice to have somebody to kind of bounce you know those things well off i'm of. just wondering too as you you run through these the thread of these czw guys you know do you think as, as you're going to like you're saying, he goes to Canada, you go to PWG. Yeah. You know I mean? Usually when you're yeah. together, you're like, well, all right, I know that this guy at least has my back. Well, Matt is 5'4", though, so I... Well, this is fair. <laughs> yeah. And, and he wasn't he wasn't, uh, he wasn't wasn't as thick as he is now. Yeah, you know? he's, he had a, yeah I think under the surface, he's, he's, a, he's a sweetheart, so I don't know. Like, right. You know, I, I'd hope that he would, uh, he'd be in there to swing it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he, but yeah, he's a good guy. I think let's roll into... And I know Dom's got his microphone now. He's ready. I'm sure he's got all sorts of questions. Let's talk about the godfather of Cleveland wrestling here. Uh, Are you referring to me? That's right. Oh, gosh. This is... and I need t-shirts made. Cleveland what, what All-Pro. I mean, you... is it, It's got to be weird as you walk into, like, I've alluded to already, an AIW locker room now. Now you have these young kids who are like, oh, my gosh, I watched you. I'm Cleveland All-Pro, and oh, I watched you do some this. Some of them. Yeah, Some of them, yes, yeah. yes. I mean, it's a combination of uh, flattering and also makes you feel old at the same time. Uh, I remember like... How, I just, let me ask you, how old did you feel when I brought that mid-Ohio paper and that you sent me back like the first indie show I ever went to? That made me feel old, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I remember, uh, you know, when I first started, you know, uh, meeting Josh Bishop heading into our, our feud that we ran there for a few months, and... Uh, he started talking about how he watched uh, PWO Pro Wrestling PWO, Ohio, yeah. which used to be on Sports Time Ohio here in the Cleveland area. And actually, if you had a satellite, you could see it around the country. Um, but anyway, you know, he had mentioned, you know, he had watched that show. And I was thinking to myself, like, wait a second, like that last aired in 2008. And, <laughs> you know, it's 2018. So that was 10 years ago. And you're only 20 years old. So you were watching me when you were 10 years old. You know? <laughs> And at that point, yeah, I was feeling I was feeling a little old, but uh, at the same time, like I said, it's 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 kind of flattering as well. Is that another feeling back then? You're in 
you're in Cleveland. It's the hometown. You're wrestling. And you guys find out, look, you're going to be televised. This is going to be a regular thing. Is that another moment of this is going to be it? Or, or are you settling into like, you know what, this is something I want to do, but it's not the thing I want to do. You know, where does that yeah, I guess, come I, uh, in? I, I think because of some of my earlier experiences with backyard wrestling and, you know, a lot of the media stuff and a lot of the promises, I started to realize pretty early that wrestling is basically like a carny business mm-hmm. and everybody's a salesperson and, you know, <laughs> and uh, everybody's going to sell you, you know, sell you the, the, the stars, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I I am very, very cynical now if somebody tells me about an opportunity or, you know, something. And that's just from experience, you know. I don't. don't. So, yeah, when they told me, you know, they were getting on Sports Time Ohio, you know, my reaction was cool. You know, like, (laughs) you know, I'm like, it's not going to turn into a career. We're not going to make a lot of money, you know. It it might last a year or two. You know, let's have fun with it while it lasts. But, yeah, I I don't know. Sometime right around that same time in 2008, I also, you know, I, I, I got to the point where I said, I need to find like a serious career, and that's when I went back to Cleveland State to get my uh, my master. I uh, you know I I remember uh, Cole Cabana was talking about it on a podcast I think with Ray Rowe, and they were kind of saying how you know that he made the decision to go all in. Uh, you know I felt like for a while I was all in, and at uh-huh. that point I kind of said, um, you know this is going to be a hobby for me. You know I'm going to find a career, and wrestling will be a hobby. As opposed to you know what I was chasing. Was there anything in particular that made you do? Was there an injury or, uh, or watching no, somebody think, else go one direction? Yeah, I think I think the majority of it was um, unfulfilled promises. And at that time, uh, the WWE was very very straightforward about we're not hiring anybody that's not like six six three like two. It was a different time, yeah. Yeah, I mean they made a legitimate statement where they had like a height and a weight, mm-hmm. and no matter what I did or who my pharmacist was, there was no possible way that I would <laughs> achieve any of those, you know, any of those demands that they were making. Um, yeah. So yeah, I just kind of said, though, that's that's not an option, you know. And, right. Uh, you know, if WCW had collapsed, ECW was gone, XPW collapsed, uh, UWA, yeah. which I was wrestling in Toronto, which was a really great promotion, they collapsed. Uh, so everybody collapsed. The only thing left was like WWE in like 2008, and uh, you know, it was just kind of like, well, let's uh, let's let's move on. There was a time though when you got done with your master's degree that you thought about going back all in again. Yeah. Um, I had uh, I had gotten out of a bad relationship, and it was uh, you know I didn't have any kind of thing kind of holding me down, and mm-hmm. I, I had thought about it, yeah. Um, but actually, when I got my teaching job, um, it turned out that they caught wind that I was also a professional wrestler, and I had actually been honest in the interview with the principal and the superintendent because I didn't want them to be blindsided by it. Right. So we uh, so I I get hired, and then I get a call. And uh, they say, hey, can you come in? We need to talk. And I was like, this sounds horrible. You know, like this sounds like a real bad conversation. So I, um, I show up and the, uh, the principal's like, we know we said we were cool with you wrestling, but we're going to have to kind of change that. You know, you're not going to be able to wrestle anymore. Um, some of the teachers are concerned that you're a masochist. That's the exact word that they used. Oh. Um, I'm like, isn't that somebody like hurts themselves sexually for pleasure? Like, isn't that what, like, anyway. I, so uh, anyway, I'm like, well, I'm not a masochist. Uh, so I, anyway, I had to stop wrestling for, um, you know, almost a two-year period because uh, they had uh, they had basically put the kibosh on it. And uh, I remember PWO was still running old reruns on Sports Time Ohio. Mm-hmm. And there was a match of me you know, I think either versus Johnny or versus Matt, and I won the uh, their title. 
and I was holding it up and jumping up and down. And my principal was a, on, you know, on Sports Time Ohio, and he saw it, and he, uh, he comes running up to me in the hallway. He was like super excited. He's like, I saw you on television last night. You won the belt. You were like jumping up and down, <laughs> you know. And I was like, wait a second, like didn't you tell me I can't wrestle because like you thought I was a masochist? He's like, oh, we know you now. Like it's cool. You know, he's like, you can wrestle again. So that's when I contacted John <laughs> and I said, I'm back in. You know? like, <laughs> and I remember, I, I think the first one was, uh, I jumped Greg iron for something. Like I, I beat him up. I, I tried to offer my, uh, my services and I ended up pile driving him. And I think we did like a street fight. It was my first match back in AIW. And, like, yeah. Cause after that two, after that two years, you've, uh, lost your confidence a little bit and then you started that you want to do a, a street fight all the time uh yeah you, you get very uh you, the, you lost the i think you you think that two years off uh made you forget how to wrestle or something uh, it's hard i mean like and, and again unless you've been in a ring it's hard to it's hard to know this or feel this but there's nothing that can condition you for wrestling besides wrestling like the amount of you could do a million burpees you can sprint on the treadmill you can but like when you get in that wrestling ring like it's a different card kind of cardio yeah and uh yeah i don't know i kind of like i don't know in a way kind of lost my confidence you know that i could still hang with some of the you know the best wrestlers in the world and uh i don't know it uh it took me a while to kind of get back into the groove it's hard to step away for a couple years you know cold turkey and just have no you know, no in-ring time. And then, sure. you know, I get back there and, the, you know, Thorne and Biggins are throwing me in there with like Alex Shelley and stuff, you know, <laughs> like, like, oh, this guy is, you know, one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. Now I got to try to hang the guy that's been <laughs> teaching school and, you know, not doing any kind of cardio for two years, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm back there now. I, I think, you know, a match for me that I, I loved uh, recently, it was me versus Josh Bishop and Akron, the first the Akron, Akron show AIW ran. Yeah. Yeah. I think we went about 20 minutes and. Uh, that was a dream come true for him. Yeah, and I was like, and I got to play a heel, which I don't rarely, mm-hmm. I rarely get to do anymore. And that's my, that's my wheelhouse because I don't do anything cool. It's like, how am I going to get over as a face? Like, I can't do anything snazzy. Yeah. Like, I don't have that fire like baby faces have. You know, how am I going to get over? So I like, just for some reason, because he was the hometown kid, I was automatically the heel. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. You know, like, that's my, that's my wheelhouse. You know, when I, when I was at my best, I was a jerk off heel, you know, and I was cowardly at times and I was, you know, taking cheap shots and cutting promos. And, uh, you know, that was when I was at my best, but I felt like, you know, at that point, my cardio was good. Uh, you know, I was running him under the table. He was telling me he was tired. You know, he was asking yeah. me to slow down. And I felt pretty good. I'm like, his kid's 20. I'm, you know, I'm 40 and he's, he wants me to slow down, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was, uh, you know, that was one of those moments where I was like, okay, you know, I, I can still, I can still hang and I was having fun. And that's, like I said, that's my you know, if I if I get done and I didn't have fun and I'm hurting, like, then I ask myself why am I doing it? But those kind of matches I love. One of the things I love about you, and, and weeks ago on this podcast, we talk about uh, we talked about Magnum CK and unfortunately how he has to retire. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Um, but we talk about how such a great guy he is, and you know, you get you could sit down and talk to him, and he just genuinely wants everybody else to succeed and everything too. You uh, paved your road. You went on a different path. You got into teaching. You're a family guy now, and yeah. you love that life. Yeah. But you're not one of those people who's like, "Yeah, I love that life," but I'm I'm bitter about the success of all these other guys. Every time somebody that you have been with that you were working with throughout the years has succeeded, I I pay attention and I look at Josh Prohibition when he's there, and you love it just as much as oh, if yeah, it was yeah, you. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. knowing yeah. that Johnny has made it. You know, Matt yeah. on Lucha Underground, and and 
Yeah. You know, even even Ray's last show, which I, I always tell people, man, go watch that because uh, just for the the farewell, unbelievably, uh, you know, touching and yeah. emotional. If, if wrestling, yeah. Could be I it, mean, uh, like, and I'm perfectly cool with, um, you know, knowing that I'm not going to be on any those guys levels ray's level or mm-hmm. johnny's level like i'm not gonna make it there and i'm fine with that like i i'm perfectly <laughs> content with my life um you know but when i i think it was like it was one of those tomaso versus johnny matches i remember i was watching i had tears in my eyes like i yeah. was so happy to see him doing what he was doing you know because like even from the time he was like 16 17 like i knew there was something special about that dude you know right and uh I even said it, and I, 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 I'm going to go back, and I'm going to try to find the AOL Instant Messenger conversation, because I remember probably 2002, 2003, I was trying, well, it was probably 2003, I was trying to sell Super Dragon on Johnny Gargano, uh-huh. and I said, get on board. I'm like, this kid, I'm not exaggerating, has potential to be like a Shawn Michaels caliber talent. Uh-huh. And I'm telling him this on Instant Messenger, and, and Super Danny was like blowing me off, like you know, not giving me <laughs> time of day. And uh, I told him that, you know, and there was just something different about him. And uh, so, like when when I see guys like him having the success that he's had, it's like you know, and I know it sounds really cheesy and cliche, but it's like part of me, you know, lives in him. You know, sure. that the 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 wisdom or knowledge that I was able, you know, in some cases to impart in him and to try to teach him and try to mentor him, you know, like. To see him successful, like it's like almost being like a proud parent. Like you take right. joy in that, and like there's no part of me that's like, oh, I wish I was me. You know, I wish yeah. I had that success. Like, and no, so many it's guys like, are like that though. But that's what I mean. That's what I love about you. You're that not, drives me crazy. You're, 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 yeah, and I'm like, so like last pay per view, I was saying it like, you know, Ray and Johnny, like two guys that I trained, like mm-hmm. both on a WWE NXT pay per view, like killing it. Yeah, you know, like it was so amazing. It's like almost surreal. You sit back and be like, they, they did it. You know, two Cleveland dudes, like they did it. Yeah. Do yeah. you attribute that and how you know just how you view things now do you attribute that to you know getting your personal life in order and getting your stability together to where wrestling wasn't what you needed to rely on like if you if josh prohibition 25 do you think would feel the same support as josh prohibition now you know because i I've known you for a long time, and I've definitely seen the the change in just mentality right. over the yeah. years. Um, That's a very deep question. I like it. What do we, What do you say when you is get to the heart of the matter? Get to the, the heart, heart of the matter. matter, man. You just got to the heart. Wow. So, so what we do here. Okay, so twenty five years ago, all of a sudden Johnny and Ray are making it, and now here I am in Cleveland, still doing you know indies. Like you're still like the cool indie guy, but like yeah. they've made it. Do you think Ooh. that you know like? You're rocking any PW. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if I... I'd like to say that I would be happy for the success. There would probably be a little more of me that would be a little jealous, mm-hmm. but I definitely would be happy for them. But yeah, there'd be part of me that would be wishing that, you know, I was, you know, part of that equation. Because um, I, I think... That's a great question. You know, I think once you met your wife and you got the family together yeah. and you got, the, you got the kid together, you know, you got the career, I think that there was... Such a 180 in the Josh Prohibition, the performer and the guy, you know, because there was a time where you were the guy and you kind of carried your, you did carry yourself like you were the guy, you know, around town, you know, so there was such a change in, for the better, I I think for, for everybody's, you know, doing, you know, like when you're, when you're 23 years old getting a $45,000 contract, you know what I mean? Like that kind of impacts you at that time. 
to where I feel, you know, now you were just a genuinely in a in a happy place altogether. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my my personal life is, uh, uh, and again, I'm it's I don't I don't want to like brag about it, but like my family life and my personal life and my marriage could not be better, which is. Uh, refreshing because I came in like 2008. I mean, you remember I was in a very dark place. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, you know, to be where I'm at now, like uh, nothing but uh, thankfulness and, and gratefulness. Um, but yeah, I think it does change your perspective and you see yourself more as a coach and somebody that wants to invest, you know, in the next generation. And they talk about, um, you know, in, in, in an individual's development, and I'm going to go into psychology class because I teach psychology at school. Uh, you know, there's a generation in people's lives or a period of time in people's lives where they have to make a choice between am I going to be stagnant and just kind of dwell in the past and, and rest on my laurels and kind of talk about back when I was a kid, I could throw a football over those mountains right. and, you know, just focus on who I was and what I used to do. Or am I going to be willing to invest in the next generation? And that's like an important step in a person's you know, personal development. And like, I feel like, thankfully, because I was so content with where I was that I could say, you know, I, I'm happy to invest. Like, you know, when I see guys like Johnny and Ray and, and Matt, you know, having success, like for me, that that's, you know, that's in, in, I mean, it sounds silly, but it's just like a small part of me is having that success because I was willing to put time and hours and energy into these kids. Yeah. You know, and uh it's just such a it's almost like a victory you know and so and and i sit there watching those nxt pay-per-views by myself and you know just celebrating right you know just so excited to, to see those guys doing what they're doing and uh yeah i definitely uh you know I, I feel like you know i'm in a good place now where i just take joy in my friends you know having success well i think as somebody who has had multiple conversations with you about it and it's almost like like john was saying it changed for you when you got married you became a dad when when somebody talks to you, it's almost like you can see like I could talk to you about wrestling, and then I could talk to you about hey what's going on with yeah. the with the kids, and it's like here's wrestling, here's this thing he loves to do, yeah. and then hey let me ask a question about how things are going with the kids and what they're up to, and then it's like here's this thing that Josh feels like this is what he was meant to do is be yeah. this dad that you are now and yeah, all the yeah, other things, yeah. and and it's awesome, but maybe that's what changes to John's point is. There are a lot of guys who didn't didn't go into that. They just kind of kept chasing it, and and they are those bitter guys where you are not. Because young Josh Prohibition would leave me stranded with no gas on the side of the road, <laughs> doing an RVD taunt <laughs> as I uh, as I drove by. Um, yeah, I, I mean I matured and I grew up, and I you know I think when we were young and dumb and uh, you know we did things hot headedly and you know yeah. and make bad decisions and. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like, you know, we have matured a lot and it's, you know, it's, it's, and I, you know, you kind of were talking about how you can talk to me about wrestling, but then also talk to me about, you know, dad life and stuff. And, uh, I think I definitely do a good job of co uh, compartmentalizing life for sure. You know? That's what I say. I, I live my life like a pie chart. Yeah, for sure. You got, you, I think yeah. I found that that's the only way to survive with any sort of hundred percent sanity yeah mm -hmm. to, especially in the world of wrestling wrestling's crazy yeah the people you meet the things you see the things you experience oh, like yeah. it is a why and if you're in that 100 percent of the time all day long every day like that's a dangerous life like mm -hmm. and even for me like you know i think back to some of those years like 2006 2007 2008 like 
if I would have went the other direction and said not to school, I'm going to go full time wrestling. Like this is going to be it. Like I don't know where I'd be or what I'd be doing, but it could be scary for me. Like yeah, like I think it, it can be consuming. So for me, I definitely separated those worlds. And I love the craziness. Like I've always loved craziness. I love punk rock. I love wrestling. And uh, you know, in, in those kind of situations where I go to Mount Carmel on a Friday night and for four or five hours hang out with Kaplan, you know, and just uh, go crazy and have a crazy <laughs> match, cut some promos and drink a few beers with Worldwide. Like for me, that's a release and it's awesome. And like, you know, and, and for that, you know, for those four or five hours, it's amazing. And then the next day I take my kids to the zoo, you know, and right. it's like it balances the fact that I just got out of this crazy world. Uh, do you when we talked about Johnny very briefly, and obviously this is all stemming from watching the success and things that they have. Uh, but the mutual respect given back to you in one particular moment that I'm going to talk about when we all went to NXT uh, sold out as the Agora here, and you get called out in yeah. the balcony, and, and you know they even throw a spotlight on it. And there's you know, yeah. Johnny giving props to Josh Prohibition in front of this sold out crowd. Yeah, that was uh, one part surreal, and uh, you know one part unnecessary. Um, <laughs> you know, like Johnny didn't have to do that. Like no, you know, like. I helped Johnny, you know, mm -hmm. I, I definitely worked with him after hours at, you know, the Cleveland All Pro Training Center and I, I got him on the road to Canada for the first time and I did some stuff for him, you know, and I tried to tell him, hey, this is a stupid bump. Like, why are you doing this at, you know, a show with 15 people? So I tried to speak right. some common sense <laughs> into him, you know, uh, but, you know, 99.9% .9 of Johnny's success is Johnny, you know, and mm -hmm. his, his work and his talent and, you know, for him to do that uh, in Cleveland at the Agora, which is, you know, a venue that I've loved, you know, for both music and wrestling. Yeah. You know, that was, that was surreal. And I, you know, like as the light was on me, you know, and, and people, you know, I think Laporta started the chant, you know, started chanting your name. Chant, yeah. yeah, man, that was, it was surreal. And like, you know, I just kept saying to myself, like, man, this kid's a good kid. Like, he's a good kid. Uh -huh. like, and he, like, he doesn't forget where he came from. You know, and I don't think that's ever going away. And I think that's part of the reason, you know, guys like Triple H and, and Shawn Michaels, uh, you know, have kind of become so enamored with him because he's just a good human being. And Which it's like is so rare. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You know, and it's like, and I think it's, a, you know, those two guys now have taken Johnny under their wing and they're, they're mentoring him. Right. You know, so like, you know, whatever tiny, tiny bit I've done, I've, you know, it's basically handed off to them. And, you know, with, you know, two of the greatest wrestlers in the history of the business now have yeah. taken this kid under their wing. Like, obviously, they saw, you know, what we've saw in Cleveland a long time ago. Like, this kid's special. And again, it's just, you know, when he sends me pictures of him and, you know, Shawn Michaels hanging out, I'm just right. like, how amazing is this? This dude right. that, like, you know, he idolized this dude yeah. is like, now they're like BFFs. Yeah. Like, I'm like, that's the coolest story ever. Like, the fact that those guys have that relationship now. And I'm so we happy and proud. And like I said, like, what a good kid. Like, he deserves it, man. Like, you, you know, you're Josh Bishop's Shawn Michaels, though, right? That's unfortunate. <laughs> you got to shoot higher than that, but, man. <laughs> but, that, you know, but does that moment, at least for you, because, you know, as we sit here and you've been modest for these two episodes and everything now for the most part and, and, and humble, but does it give you the realization that, like, hey, man, I really am a part of some really cool legacy maybe it's it's small on the map and the blip on the radar of what professional wrestling is but you certainly are a part of something yeah um yeah and i mean i uh i recognize that i i couldn't wrestle forever so i, I i've said it before it's like 
part of you lives on in everybody that you train and invest in. And I feel like the same way about my students, you know, and I have a great relationship with my students. Like I had a great relationship with the football and, and baseball players that I coached. And, uh, you know, I, I'm thankful that I had a lot of great experiences with coaches above me when I played sports before wrestling and then going into wrestling, you know, JT was a wild man, but he, he was a good coach. You know, like he taught me the basics. He got me out on the road. He did what he needed to do. He taught me the etiquette, you know, and it's like, I've had so many guys being willing to invest in me that didn't have to, you know, when you see guys that have been on television, taking their time and investing in you, it's like, uh, what do they call it? Like paying it forward. It's like, I owe wrestling a lot, you know, like I got to travel to other countries. I got to wrestle heroes. I, I made some cash, you know, I had experiences that you would never get. And it's like, you know, wrestling didn't owe me anything, you know, but it gave me a lot. And, uh, you know, I feel like when I, when I do things like take extra hours out of my day to help or talk to guys or work with guys, like, you know, that's just me, you know, paying it forward what I got from guys that didn't deserve, didn't have to do it to me. And from a rookie's uh, viewpoint, seeing you in the locker room, being a locker room leader, uh, you're a hell of a dude, you know, I mean, Thank you're you. easy to get along with, you know, you're very affable. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, just like you said, we enjoy having a beer with you and spending yeah. time with you, you know, yeah. you know, that, that shows a lot. And, and I think that, uh, you were raised right and for, for everything you've been through with wrestling, you know, it shows. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, there was a, there's a real nice bunch of guys in AEW and AEW's, you know, working like a well-oiled machine now. So it's, uh, it didn't always work. Like yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> no, there was days when, uh, AIW was, uh, it was quite a wild scene, but now it's like, like I said, it's kind of a well-oiled machine. There's a good group of guys that have come through there and it, it makes it fun to hang around. You know, there was times in AIW where, uh, like I said, it wasn't the, the best scene. I don't think I even wanted to be there. No, it was some ugly days. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, thank you. I appreciate it. It's nice. Uh, you know, you've you've kind of been through through it all, through all kind of incarnations. You know, there was, you know, EIW to EFW, EFW to CCW, CCW to sp- split into AIW and Extreme War, and then AIW splits up, and you know, you've 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 seen it all. Um, did you ever think, though, like another deep question? That in oh. you know 1999, that you would be sitting in my living room right no. now, no. Uh, talking about how we're both coming up on 20 years involved in wrestling, <laughs> and uh, Pat Flanagan is still involved, no. and Matt Cross is still involved. I knew that I would always love pro wrestling, but I'm I'm not exaggerating. I said it uh, last week. Um, my first wrestling match for you in a ring, I said this is it. We're going to break every table in this place. We're going to break every chair. We're going to go until we can't physically stand anymore because this will be the only time in our entire life that we'll be in a wrestling ring. And we, we, <laughs> we did it as such. Like if, I think everybody that day felt like that. It was, it was yeah. like it was like a like a like one of those birthday parties you would go to or yeah. something, you know, like yeah. where they and I'm, rented something. I'm going to capture. I still have the VHS tapes. I'm going to capture them from that first match and I'll put them up on YouTube. Uh, of that match but the amount of stupidity that we did i remember matt hit me in the hand with a uh, pool cue broke my finger uh you know i i didn't even see it coming i turned around he goes to whack me i put my hand up and he hits me right square in the finger with a pool cue and just cracks my finger um but yeah like i said we just went balls to the wall because we didn't think that was this would ever happen again and it's funny i always uh i tell my brother sensitive steve and mark valley who were two guys that went to school with uh with john they also wrestled on the show so yeah yeah but i always tell them like how well you're doing you know like 
AIW is killing it. Like they're bringing in big crowds. They're bringing in big names. The who's who of wrestling has come through AIW now. Like John's got a good job and they always laugh about it and say like, John Thorne did it. Like he, uh, <laughs> he was able to, uh, I, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't think anybody would have bet on me probably, you know, like no, they just kept talking about how you would just sleep in English class all the time. Always. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, like the, the thing that was bad, bad about it was I was a freshman in high school when this started. Yeah. So then I got, I got wrapped into, even though it was, you know, like untrained high school people wrestling. Yeah. I get like wrapped into all of that, you know? And you got in with some bad influences. I Those did. Those EFW guys were bad news. You know, like they would like dare me to drop out of high school and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, all kind of, you know, like I didn't, but like. Let me ask you a deep question since you're oh. making me, uh, let's, let's, let's get to the heart of the matter here. Let's go back to like 19, was it 98? You came over to my house to. Uh, commentate a backyard wrestling match between myself, M Dog, Matt Matt Cross, and my brother Creeping Death. Do you remember that? Uh, I remember. I I also wrestled. I think Joe Gabbard in your backyard. Okay. Fatal concept. <laughs> okay, so you're like 15 or 16 at this 15, time. 15, probably. Okay. You commentate a match in my backyard. Uh, very shortly after that, you know, we start working for EFW, and those those are the guys that I felt like were a, a fairly negative influence on you, most likely. Um, what if you had gone the other route and you were a BWF guy, like with me and Matt and my brother and and Tack, and Tack, uh, oh, you know, wow. and if we had, you know, we had steered you down a much straighter path, do you think your life would be significantly different if you had not been under the influences of EFW, John Rotten, Matt Striker, uh, Shock Solomon? Uh, you know, that's a that's a that's a strange question. Um, I think I probably would have uh, gotten serious about wrestling maybe a little sooner. Okay. Uh, because with those guys, it was kind of like all about a show. And then, you know, when you're a 15 year old kid, 16 year old kid, and like these guys are bringing like all these girls around and, you know, it was a, it was kind of like what you hear about the enticement of wrestling, but it wasn't even really wrestling, which was strange. Uh, so, you know, I, I saw some, some bad things probably at a, at a very young age, <laughs> but, uh, I never really, uh, dove head in you know okay. when, when you know you're seeing cocaine and stuff at 16 years old yeah. like yeah. you know like <laughs> hell yeah from camp uh, you know i don't know because you guys are very straight laced then oh yeah you know? yeah i mean we were crazy but we were definitely we were all you know militantly straight edge and uh you know but even that like even my friends from high school you know like i was hanging out with these guys more than my friends from high school you know yeah. so like it's uh I probably would have had like a dramatically different life because like, you know, I don't know. I, I don't have any interaction with anybody from I grew up with or went to high school yeah. with or school with or anything because it kind of took me into this wrestling, this wrestling direction. And then, you know, like you would pro you and M-Dog are probably the only people from my hometown that I know yeah. we, you know, we didn't. Yeah. We were in totally different age groups. Yeah. Because I remember you and I used to have like kind of a strained relationship because... We've, we've had ups and downs, probably much like a, both of us did with JT and everybody yeah. else. Yeah, because I remember, again, you were hanging with those guys, and those guys and I never saw eye to eye just because... Yeah, it was, I was kind of like uh, like a stepchild, you know, like yeah. a divorced parent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because hey, uh, I never agreed with, you know, or bought into their BS and... Because uh, what, what people don't understand is like uh, Josh and M-Dog... And like the BWF, even though it was only seven matches or whatever, backyard matches, like yeah. these guys were kind of like worshipped as gods because they were 
older than all of us. Right. So like when me and his brother Steve and this Mark, you know, Mark Valley, we're freshmen in high school. I believe Josh had graduated. The M Dog is a senior. You know, so these guys are the older guys. They're doing this crazy stuff. They're in punk rock bands. You know, like Steve selling like Josh's band CD and fucking in the cafeteria chair shot. Nice. Uh, you know, so like it was kind of a, a weird position for me to be in. But then like I have these other older guys that are promoting wrestling events and they're picking me up from high school in like Mustang convertibles and like with like chicks in them. You know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> it's like a, it was like a weird uh, situation for me to be in. Yeah. I always thought about that, how how your life may have been different. I turned out all right. You did. That's why I told my. That's what I was saying. My brother Steve and Mark Valley always tell him like, Thorne's killing it. Got a good job, good promotion. It took a long time though. I'm gonna ask. Twenty uh, years. <laughs> we'll go. Uh, you know, uh, it's all been personal, but we'll go a little bit more personal here. Uh, the landscape of wrestling vastly different than what it was 20 years ago, and in particular, uh, female wrestling. And I th- I'm pretty sure I think you know exactly where I'm going to go with this. You're you're raising two. <laughs> if they sit down one day while you're watching uh, the network or, or anything else, and they have questions and uh, they they want to see what Dad used to do, or you know, and they start to think, "Hey, I want to be involved in this." What do you What do you say? That's an evolving answer. So if you had asked me that same question five years ago when my daughter Sophia was two, Mm -hmm. um, I would have said absolutely not. And the reason is, look at wrestling, female wrestling five years ago. It was nothing more than strippers. Yep. You know, basically having, you know, bra and panty matches. Yeah. (laughs) uh, If you look at it now, it's it's wrestling, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's it's competitive and there's some incredible athletes and it's it's become respected. So, like I said, five years ago, you know, if you'd asked me that, I said, absolutely. Hell no. No way in hell would I ever allow my daughter to get into that. Right now. Like I would be more open to it. And you've you've met some of these women that are you know making noise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, they're good girls, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh and I don't know if it's good or bad, but my daughters love wrestling already. Okay. And they beg me to watch the network. This is true. I've seen the social media. Yeah. And I it, mean, I, you, we, we've, uh, when I get really bored and we can't get outside, you know, I'll throw the tights on and we'll, we'll throw on matches in our, in our, in, in our the, living room. <laughs> my daughters love the Huracanana. That's her yep. favorite. Uh, <laughs> pull it off like a champ. Yeah. yeah she got, and she's super athletic and strong. She's doing her pull-ups and stuff every day and her push-ups, and she loves it. And it's like, and she's got, uh, she's got character already at seven. So, you know, is there going to be like a second generation, you know, uh, I don't know what you'd call her, something prohibition. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, Sophia prohibition. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd be way more open to it than five years ago when it was an absolute hard no. Okay. I like it. I I mean, I was thinking about it because I saw the social media posts. I'm like, oh, I got to ask this. Because especially with the fact that you're doing that in the living room. Yeah. It's, I mean, I grew up as a boy, and I you know we had four boys in my house, and we're wrestling around the living room. So, yeah. of course, we're going to want to somehow get involved in wrestling when we get older. And I'm... Yeah. I don't. I mean, I may be doing them a disservice getting them into the world of wrestling. Because there's still... <laughs> I mean, even though wrestling has cleaned up, like, it's dramatically, yeah. right. there's still some stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you're you're uh, still in the locker rooms, and you know things <laughs> yeah. that occur. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean... It's like it, it's like craziness you will expose yourself to because you just know it's you yeah but like I couldn't imagine like I couldn't imagine bringing like 
a civilian into that AIW locker room. No. And it's very tame locker room, but like compared to others. But it's just, uh, if you're not in the weird cult that is wrestling, yeah. you're not going to understand the humor no. or any of it that no. goes on back And there. I mean, I think, you know, sometimes, you know, obviously for 20 years, we've become incredibly desensitized to the craziness. But like, if you step back and kind of remove yourself from some of those situations and you would just sit there for 10 minutes and do like a sociological experiment and watch what happens in a wrestling locker room and the conversations, I mean, you'll have like... You got Nick Gage walking down there bleeding buckets. You know, you got Kingston doing Kingston things. Then yeah. you have Hornswoggle <laughs> swoggling around. Like, I mean, if you look at it, you know, and like, you know, there's Hornswoggle, you know, using the restroom with the door wide open, standing there with nothing on. And yeah. it's like. And then, and, like, right now, like, you know, 15 feet away, Ethan Page and you will be talking about being parents yeah you know like yeah. it's just it's just every it's end of weird. the spectrum yeah, yeah and it's and like i said it's 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 the weirdest cross-section of of so, uh, society i remember for absolution i was like i laughed a few times i can't remember exactly ex- who was in it. it was like four on four or five on five but it's like me t money nasty russ um and then on the other side you have like trey lamar uh aj gray and Oh, Josh Cheech and and Colin and I, I stepped back yeah. and I was like, "In what world are we operating in?" It's like you got a Puerto Rican guy, you got two black guys, you got you know this guy, this guy <laughs> like you know hillbilly school teacher, and I'm like going through all the list here. Like here we are calling this crazy wrestling match. Like this is the weirdest world like you could possibly imagine. But at the same time, don't you work because of that? Don't you kind of wish the rest of society was a little bit like wrestling from that standpoint? I do. I mean, I think in that way, wrestling breaks down barriers. Like yeah. when you talk about racial demographics and like you know backgrounds and religion <laughs> and whatever. Whatever else, like the people that come together for one common goal of putting together a good wrestling show, like I don't think you see that in many other facets of life, like that diverse of a. No, I I agree. Like I always say, like there's no way that these two people would ever develop a friendship uh, w- other than wrestling. You know, yeah. like, like nasty Russ and Team Money. Right, those or, are two of my favorite dudes on earth. They love each other. Those, those guys are. Yeah, I like, mean, those are brothers, right? Like there. you throw you throw Eddie Kingston in there, you know, like street guy or Nick Gage did five years in prison, right? You know, robbed a bank. Yeah, uh, you know, he's in there with a with school teachers, and you know, like <laughs> I, you know, just a ten time UFC veteran Tom Waller is just hanging around doing his thing yeah. and whatever he's doing that week. It does yeah. it does really break down a lot of barriers, you know. So as many as much as people like say like wrestling is scummy or dirty or you're not you would be hard pressed to get people with so many different political views and everything mm-hmm. else into one you know yeah. you got the duke and worldwide just you know lacing their boots up next to each other you yeah. know like just to like just totally different views on life so uh, you know, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and everybody gets along. And besides, like, the occasional, like, new NXT star, like, everybody seems to do a nice job in the locker room and get along right. with, uh, with everybody fairly well. And that's, that's kind of the strange, you know, you know, dynamic that we've created. And I think, you know, that's just kind of like the environment that I've tried to create because I've seen the bad environments so many times. Yeah. What do you think about the new guys flowing in AIW? Do you think they're adapting well in both locker room and out in the crowd? Are there any specific ones? Because I haven't seen like the new like so I I'm, I've seen the Trey Lamars and uh, you know guys like that, but yeah, people you know of really. Yeah, I mean uh, that match at Absolution. You know, I got to get in there with some of the young guys. Um, and, you know, and uh, so far so good. I mean, I think they're talented. Um, you know, they were respectful. 
you know, again, the, the number one rule, don't hurt me. Uh, no, you know, no one hurt me, which is a wonderful thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely have had positive experience with the AIW guys thus far. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen anything where I considered it a red flag or anybody that, you know, rubbed me really wrong or, you know, made me want to forearm really hard. And it's been a lot of trial by fire, you know, with a lot of these guys, just throwing them to the wolves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. When you look at the product AIW's put out and you look at the guys that, you know, have, have wrestled here, I mean, it is the who's who of, of you, know, n- you know, not just independent wrestling, but if you look at, you know, the WWE now, it's like everybody. You know, how long was Seth Rollins the champ in AIW? Like, yeah, for a while, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's like all these guys have come through here, you know, so it's like if you know anything about the history of it and you look at who's who's come through, it's it's... You know, it's, it's it's pretty crazy, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the greatest promotions in the Midwest. You know, it's like, you know, one of the best indie promotions probably in the country. All right, put you on the spot here because I think we finally wound it down a little bit. Although I, I, I'm sure this realistically could be like a five episode podcast oh, if we wanted to. People be. get bored, to but death. Uh, put you on the spot. Did we see the last of Josh Prohibition in AIW ring? It's been a while. I would say no. Um, I actually, you know, cards on the table. I uh, I took off after Absolution because uh, I'm back at Cleveland State for my. Uh, You're like one of those lifetime students. This would guys. be my. <laughs> this will be my fourth degree. Oh my goodness! And uh, I just love paying out student loans. But anyway, this will be my final college degree. Um, it'll put me at the top of the food chain as far as pay and all that other business. But anyway, it ended up being a significant amount of work. Um, and, uh, to, to be confident in the ring, like John was talking about before, like I kind of lost my, my confidence. Uh, I need to be in really good shape. I need to have time in the ring. I need to feel like uh, I'm at my best or, you know, it's, I don't want to go out there and shit the bed, you know. Like, sure. I I hate having bad matches. I hate looking bad. So I got to be in in a, in a place where I feel like I can do my best. So anyway, th- you know. That being said, I'd like to come back in the new year um, to show you how serious I am. I just ordered new gear. Oh, oh. It's new Spoiler. gear bombshell. So yeah. so that being said, if I get new gear, then I have to be tan, and if I have to be tan, I have to be in shape. So. Uh, you know that that motivates me, uh, and and I do I do think the you know the 20 year anniversary, um, you know I want to be, uh, you know better than I was when I was early on in my career. You know I want to I want to come out of my 20 year anniversary, and uh, we're and, gonna try to lock that date down as close to that date as possible. Yeah, do it. Yeah, that'd be. Uh, a, I mean, yeah. Think about do that. you and like, M Dog 20 what, years. I mean, what indie promotions run for 20 years, or what indie promoters run for 20 years? Probably not that many. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a cool milestone, and I definitely, I, I'll be down to celebrate, and I'd love to. to I don't do feel like we're like twenty-year career guys, though. You know? Like, no, no. I'd love to get in there and just, you know, tear it up at, uh, you know, forty years of age and you know, twenty years into wrestling, and just, you know, and I, I, I would take great pride in that. So I, uh, that's yeah. my goal. Yeah. So have you seen the end of me? No. Uh, I keep telling people I'd like to ride it till the wheels come off. You know, until my knee goes or my shoulder goes, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, like, so, and this, this, I'll close it out here pretty quickly, but, like, I was having a conversation with some friends the other day, and uh, when I'm teaching, that's a gimmick. Like, when I get up there and I talk about McCulloch versus Maryland and Gibbons v. Ogden and start talking about all this government stuff and the separation of powers between the House and the Senate and, you know, like what I was doing today, that's a show, man. Like, that's not me. Like, I'm up there getting animated about stuff, you know, government-related stuff, and that's not 
you know, who I am. Honestly, when you put like a mic in my hand and I'm cutting a wrestling promo and I'm standing in front of a crowd of 500 people in Cleveland, that's the most real me you're going to get. Like, mm-hmm. that's who I am. Like, and that gives me the opportunity to do that. For, so for me, when I, I step in that ring and I have that chance, like, I come alive. Like, that lights me up. Teaching exhausts me. Like, when I stand in front of, <laughs> a, a, when I stand in front of a, a, a classroom six periods a day for 44 minutes and have to go up there and uh, talk often about stuff that I don't think is even very interesting and I have mm-hmm. to make it, you know, try to make it as interesting as I can for 16-year-olds right. who don't give a crap um that's exhausting to me but if you put me in front of a wrestling you know like when i cut that promo on josh bishop a few months back when he spit in my face and the crowd <laughs> like got so up i'm not kidding i'm like think about it right now i was getting goosebumps like that lights me up yeah, like, like nothing like nothing in the world can light me up like that's my drug you know so for me like the thought of not having that is like like i don't think i can deal with that like and I don't, I, I mean, I'm hoping, you know, at the 30 year anniversary, we're here BSing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I don't know if I'll be wrestling at that point, but as long as you like can put a microphone in my hand and I can take a bump or two, like, I, th- I feel like, you know, I'll be a happy man. Uh, well, I can't wait to uh, be rolling in the gym because we work out of the same gym and I just happened upon Josh Prohibition standing next to me doing curls, and I know he's getting ready for that next big match, finally. (laughs) Then, and the other thing I learned about uh, Josh Prohibition just now, whether it, even though it's 20 years later, it's not wrestling, but now it's teaching. Still chasing that big payday he thinks is coming here. Getting that big money, getting all these degrees. Uh, I don't, I mean, I can't say anything else except, you know, thanks for sitting in with us. Oh, thank you. Man, this was a long time coming. It was, and yeah. I'm sure we'll revisit this because there are so many different stories and avenues we can go down, especially yeah. if we add in a little bit of, uh, you know, s- some guests, you know, maybe we we'll get you and the Duke on here. Well, I was going to say, I, I, I'd hope that you can, uh, I hope I get more downloads than the Duke. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be my measure. I would like to have you and the Duke debate uh, your illustrious Politics? wrestling careers together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, for uh, Josh Prohibition and, and John Thorne, well, I guess Kaplan chimed in here worldwide at one point, Dom too. Uh, my name is Steve Guy, and we'll talk to you next week here on The Card is Going to Change. Thanks, everybody.